Hey guys, Josh here. This is part one of a potentially three-part episode with the absolutely amazing Jim Harold. We ended up talking for over an hour and it was all really great. Jim's just a beast in the absolute best possible way. He's just got a wealth of knowledge and his shows are all great and very successful. So I didn't really want to cut too much out to get the time down. But as we're coming into Christmas time and I happen to work in the retail sector for my day job, and also I'm doing some editing with my clients at the moment, it was just getting too much. So I couldn't get the whole thing edited. So here's just a small part of my interview with Jim. I won't jump back in at the end just to save you guys a little bit of time, a little bit more time at this time of the year. We'll finish up today with my friend Guy telling you a little about the work that we've done together. That'll be at the end of the show. So here is Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast. Let's do this thing. Today, guys, we're incredibly fortunate to have veteran paranormal podcaster and best-selling author Jim Harold on the show. I've been listening to Jim in one capacity or another for several years now, and it's funny, we just spoke before we got recording about the fact that it's 10 p.m. my time here in Australia, and it's 6 a.m., for Jim, so that's amazing that he made the time for this at that early in the morning. Normally, Jim, it's me that's getting up super early, and I just wanted to know, just to start off, what's the weirdest time and or place where you've recorded an episode of either the Paranormal Podcast or Jim Harold's Campfire? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the program. It's an honor. You know, the weirdest thing was a few years ago, not in the home because we just moved this spring, but in the home we were in before... There have been instances where there was an instance where they were doing some work in my house. So I went out to my car in the driveway and somehow I rigged up my, I had a mix, I still have a mix pre three and did a whole series of campfire calls in the front seat of my 2005 Honda Accord at the time. (laughs) And the thing was, it sounded great because I had a good mic. Uh, Mix pre three is awesome. You know, I had better soundproofing in my car than I did in my studio at the time. Uh, so it came out great. Nobody would have known the difference. Uh, and that's the that's the thing. I was going to say the power of radio, but the power of audio is that, uh, you know, if you kind of know what you're doing, you can you can make a lot of different things work. So, uh, you know, it's just getting through and getting the, the recording to your point about the time, you know, an opportunity to get on a show and talk to some new people who have never heard about me. Yeah, I'll get up at three o'clock in the morning and do that. Uh, that's the thing. I never my wife often says not not about your show, but there are some shows that I'll be on. And I know that they have a very modest listenership. You know, it might have a dozen people. But you know what? Probably. Most of those people, maybe all of them, have never heard of me. Well, now, would I go talk in front of 12 people? Absolutely. So I, I I, love to be on other podcasts, and I love to talk podcasting, and I don't get enough chance to do that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm so glad to be here. And I know your show is, is popular, and, and people enjoy it, so it's a thrill to be here. I'm not sure about popular, but if it's actually hitting hitting home with anybody, I'm happy to hear that. That's good. So with the In the Car and I'm not sure if you've actually had a chance to listen to the show, Jim. I know you do so much, you probably haven't. And we go on tangents. This isn't a normal podcast about podcasting. I just follow my curiosity more than anything. Did you tell your guests that you were in the car? Because we spoke about I the fact. I, yeah, I think did. I did. Yeah, I think I did. Did you Have you ever encouraged a guest to get into their car because their sound was so horrible? 
I have a, a, a couple times, a, a couple times. It's it's funny because we do a show, I do a show called Campfire, which is my most popular show. And that's a show where uh, just regular folks call in with their supernatural experiences. Could be ghosts, could be cryptic creatures, could be UFOs, whatever. And the thing is, is that they're great people. They're so nice to take their time and share their stories. But a lot of times people don't pay attention to the guidance on audio mm. so you know there'll be kids screaming and, and i understand when you're a parent you have to deal with your kids i get it but sometimes it's like okay could somebody turn the tv off you know <laughs> 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 so so but uh, bless them i i mean they, they come on and they tell these amazing stories so uh we work through some audio difficulties but uh uh, but that's, you know, and we were joking a little bit before we were trying some different services and things to get the best possible sound. And I'm a little bit of a sound snob and I want to get the best sound I can. So that's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of a struggle to always try to improve. And I think one thing from listening mostly to Pod Lords, which is one of Jim's shows that I think it was more of a passion project for yourself than anything else, which is something I wanted to get onto later. You... Yeah. Like me, you, I don't think you're an absolute gear nut where it kind of takes over your mind in terms of the hierarchy. I think you still believe that content and stories are more important than sound, but you seem like you're on a mission to always be producing the very best sound possible with what resources you have at the time. Yes. Because I'm kind of in that boat too. So, Well, I'll tell you, you know, the thing is uh, this last year we did a lot of upgrades because I moved and this is my full-time job. So I want to sound as absolutely as best as I can. And we basically converted a bedroom into a studio, but it actually is a studio because I had a company come in and install sound uh, treatment. And it wasn't cheap. And uh, I'm talking to you from my Neumann TLM 103. So nice. we've spent, uh, you know, and the thing is, is that but people have to realize you don't have to start out with this. There are podcasts that are way more popular than mine that are probably recorded on something like an Audio-Technica 2100, which is a, or a Samson Q2U, which are both, you know, really great mics. For, for what you pay and what you get, the gap between that and something <laughs> like this to the end user, most people don't know, uh, no. <laughs> the, you know, and don't care. They don't care as long as it sounds decent. I just want to, my thing is, is continuous improvement, whether that's in the way I interview, whether that's in the way I sound, because the way I look is I'm competing against these huge corporations that have all the resources, Right. So I've got to be as good as I can be to be in that conversation because they've got the advantage on me. It's interesting you bring that point up, Jim, because something that I've been thinking about why I find your, I guess, ideas about the space and even your perception of yourself within the space interesting is you don't feel like you've arrived to me. But if you told someone your numbers, which are incredible, you're in the top 1% in Libsyn's numbers, when you say those numbers, they're quite quite impressive. I think for the network, it's around 50 million downloads in total, which is ginormous. Do you motivate yourself by thinking, I haven't arrived? I'm not where I want to be. It's not as good as I can be yet? Absolutely. 
you know, uh, if you listen, talk to 99% of podcast listeners, they probably don't know the name Jim Harold. So there's somewhere I'm not doing my job. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. And, 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 you know, there's only a certain percentage of people. It's like anything else. There's only a certain percentage of people who are going to be interested in paranormal content. But until that percentage of people all know about me, I'm, I'm not happy. And not a, and even if they know about you, they don't, won't necessarily like you, which is fine. I don't need everybody to like me or like my content. But there's a lot of people, there's a lot more people out there I haven't reached than I have reached. Now, I will say this, and this sounds really kind of, uh, I don't know, but it's 60 million now. I just updated oh, it this okay. last week. But no, Well, the funny story about that <laughs> is I said, you know, it's huge. been, thank yeah. you, thank you. Well, the thing was is that, you know, for marketing, it's in a very impressive sounding number. But you've got to remember that's over 16 years. That's every podcast episode I've done. And that also, you know, that's over like, if you include all my club plus club shows and so forth, that's over 2,700 episodes. Now, Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire get most of those downloads. So while, yeah, I'm proud of that number, that's, you know, if you look at a Joe Rogan or somebody like that, those are baby numbers. I mean, so I, I, <laughs> I'm never less, if you can tell, I never rest on my laurels and every year has been better than the previous year, but I want to keep that going. And, and I think this was our biggest growth year yet, 2021. So I'm very hopeful that we can kind of hit turbo on this thing because <laughs> I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, right. So if I'm ever going to make, if, if Josh, if I'm ever going to make it, I better hurry up. <laughs> okay, right. Well, in my mind, you have made it, but it, I like that you, you don't feel that way yourself because you keep trying to get better, which is awesome. So can we go right back, Jim? Sorry, I don't think I've heard you speak about, I guess, micro-level experience of the first six to eight weeks of podcasting. I've heard you talk about the space at the time and who was big and who you were listening to and all that sort of stuff, but I've never heard you talk about what your first experience was making a show, releasing it, and trying to get an audience. Can we talk about that very first period of you as an actual show creator? Sure. I'll try to remember back that far, but uh, the thing that I remember at the time, and it's very different now, but there weren't a lot of resources. And trying to figure out how to do this at the time was really challenging. I started off with, uh, just to give people the, you know, I was talking about the fancy equipment I have now, but back then I had a Plantronics headset, which was really for kind of Skype. I had a uh, rickety Windows PC that I had built myself, and I used Skype, and I used some odd call recorder, Skype call recorder, I think it was called. You know, I barely knew what a podcast was, and I started sending emails out to these authors and things and asking them to be on the show, and probably in most of the cases, it's the first time they had ever been asked to be on a podcast because the most common question is, what's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) What is is this thing anyway? I said, well, it's kind of like radio over the internet on demand. But I remember, and, and that, you know, in a way that's very special to me that time because the idea of building something. And I get a little bit now when I start a new podcast. And, and honestly, You know, my podcast that I've launched since Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast, they've done okay, but none of those have 
met those levels. And those shows were started in 2005 and 2009. I have a new show that we started here a few months ago that I'm very encouraged by called Unpleasant Dreams. It's actually hosted by my daughter, who's doing a fantastic job. Aside from, uh, you know, I I know I'm biased, but she's doing a great job. Yeah. But but the point being that I, I really enjoyed the idea of putting something together. Now I think the different the experience would be much different because there's so many resources. And that's great on one hand. On the other hand, it's can be not great because a lot of people say things that aren't true or out of date. You know, you have 15, 16, 17 years of material on the Internet and people can just put stuff on the Internet. Doesn't mean it's true. So to the new podcasters, you got to watch who you follow and, and what you listen to. You know, some of the people that I think are the best out there, for example, Dave Jackson does a fantastic job. I think really my kind of at the time what I held on to was Libsyn. I thought they were the best resource back in 2005. Now, at that time, I think the company was about three people, (laughs) something like that. Uh, Now they're, you know, huge. And really, I think the biggest independent host out there. So things have really, really changed over time. But I I remember this idea of building something, but I had no idea this was going to be my job. I thought it was going to be a fun little thing because I've been a broadcasting student in school, ended up working in radio for years in ad sales, basically, and was frustrated I wasn't on the air. And I said, well, I'll just do this little homemade thing as a hobby, at least to kind of scratch the itch. And uh, it took a while, but uh, it turned into my full-time career. How did you build the idea? Like, how did you even know that there was a space that you thought a podcast could live in or there should be one about? How did that come to be? Well, when I, the first thing I decided was I'm going to do a podcast because I want to scratch this broadcasting itch and I think that I have something to contribute. But then I looked at different topics. I'm like, if I'm going to do that, and this, I think this is key to maybe people out there thinking about starting a podcast, do a podcast on something you're really interested in. Because if you do a podcast on something you're not interested in, you're not going to last very long because, folks, it's a lot of work. And the thing for me was, is that since I was a little kid, there was a show here in the States. And it's been syndicated, I think, all over the world. So you may be familiar with it, maybe not. In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And this was from the 70s. I was just like, you know, five, six years old, seven years old watching this. And that kind of ignited my interest in the supernatural. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the kind of ghost shows we see these days. You know, guys with the black T-shirts running around a building saying, oh, what was that? You know, uh, not that. You know, I've interviewed a lot of those people, and I think some of them are doing good stuff. But but anyway, back to your question. Uh, essentially, I said, I'm going to do this show for me. And I'm not seeing, I think there was one other podcast out there, that Paracast, that is still around, that had started before me, that was on the paranormal, but there wasn't a lot. And now, like, everybody has a paranormal podcast. There's like, I'll tell you how early it was. It was so early, I got the name The Paranormal Podcast. (laughs) Well, That's pretty early. (laughs) And the funny thing is, now they say, never use the word podcast in your title. Well, 
I, I, you know, I wouldn't do it again, but I'm going to keep it now. I have done, uh, you know, over 700 episodes. I've been doing it for 16 years. So I guess that's the name, but the, but the point being that was so early, I did it basically a, I want to do this show. I want to get these questions answered and B there's not a lot of other people doing this and I can't add any, can't do music unless I do indie music because the rights issues, which still haven't been fixed, by the way, I can't do politics. I'm not going to add anything in politics. And and honestly, I'm kind of old school on that. My political beliefs are my political beliefs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to believe what I believe and I'm not going to burden you with that. I do the paranormal. I don't do social commentary. The other thing is, is that uh, uh, sports? Uh, what am I going to add on sports? There's so many people that know more than I do about sports. But the paranormal was something where there are no experts in a way because we we don't know the truth about these realities. So I'm going to take people on this journey and it'll probably be like five people, but uh, maybe we'll have some fun doing it. And it, it kind of blew up, which surprised me. That's how it all started. I guess a frustration for me, Jim, and... That's why I dug a little bit deeper because I think I've heard you hint at those initial stories is that we talk a lot about the early days of the space purely by how hard it was. And a lot of it's tech talk related because it was a lot of tech oriented people involved. But I'm trying my best to dig maybe into the stories as how did you discover the idea for the show? And why did you pursue the idea? And for the people that have stuck with it, like yourself, what carried you through that? going forward whether it was successful or otherwise so thank you so much for sharing that bit of a story there no no problem it's just been and the funny thing is i will say this uh, to kind of close that loop is that at the beginning josh i thought you know this is going to be great i'm going to have an excuse to talk to these smart people people i'd seen on television and heard uh, interviewed on radio shows about the topics and i'm going to get to ask them in six months i'll have all this supernatural paranormal stuff figured out well, the funny thing is, Josh, is that as I sit here today in 20, late 2021, I have more questions about the supernatural and the paranormal <laughs> than I did when I started in 2005. So I don't know if that's successful or not, but I, I kind of I know what I don't know. And there's a lot that I don't know. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I guess the show's not coming to an end anytime soon, if that's the case. So you can as keep long as long as I'm around and breathing, uh, it won't be. So yeah. hopefully, you know, I, I really... To that point, you know, I'm in my early 50s and I'm kind of looking at doing these shows at least until, you know, if my health holds out, hopefully, until I'm 65 or 70. So I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm getting started. Hey there, it's Guy Miley Corain and I broadcast on the Triple M Network regionally, weekday mornings right around Australia. I've been part of the radio industry for, geez, more than 17 years now, and I've seen a lot of wannabes. They come and go overnight in the podcasting space. A lot of them talk the talk. They really can't deliver and take it to the next level. So I'm really happy, thank goodness, that I found Josh and the team at Dead Set Podcasting. These guys I know are here to stay. Now, not only do they absolutely exceed expectations, but they also understand the importance of deadlines and making sure the final product is ready on time. That is a huge, important thing in the media game. They are the best that I have found in the podcast space by far, and I can't wait to work with them again in the future. <laughs> 